Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Henderson up the floor. Full speed ahead. Stumbles to the rim. Rejected by Jackson Davis. Says, get that weak stuff out of here. And knocked it away. It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up. We'll bring you into the locker room and hear from Coach Kerr and the players. Highlights from the game, Warriors Wrap-Up starts now. Well, the Golden State Warriors survive in Portland tonight. Final score, 118-114. to 114. This is Warriors Wrap-Up presented by Xfinity, a 10G network made for streaming live sports. Evan Giddings with you after the Warriors find a way, once again, to go up by a largely, this time, 22 points in Portland. And then Portland eventually comes back into the game. Surprisingly, the Warriors did not trail at all throughout this basketball game. But they find a way to make it interesting as it comes down to the very end once again. And the Warriors find a way to get their second consecutive win. Back-to-back wins, mind you, for the first time since November 1st and November 3rd. They also, of course, snap a seven-game road losing streak, which dates back to November 3rd. So some positive for the Golden State Warriors, but I'm curious what people take away from this basketball game. One in which Stephen Curry did not score double digits, and in fact broke a a consecutive three-point make streak of 268 games, the longest in NBA history. Last time he did not make a three was on December 1st of 2018. I think I was still looking for my first job out of college at that time, so that was the last time that Steph did not make a three in a regular season game. And then a lot of other things that were positive from the standpoint of Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins combining for 53 points, two guys in a night in which the Warriors did not have their typical leading score stepping up. Those were the guys that filled the scoring void against a Portland team that just simply would not roll over. So the Warriors get their second consecutive win. They are 12-14. and 14. They hand the Portland Trailblazers their 19th loss of the year. And I'm curious where people are at. 888-957-9570 is the number. Shout out to the Comcast Business Text Line. We appreciate you tuning in. Also, we see on YouTube, thank you for chiming in. We appreciate you joining us here for Warriors Wrap-Up. After every single Warriors game, all 82 here on your home for Warriors Basketball, 95-7 the game. I mean, I I, I, I I already see you can see this was a win that the Warriors needed, and, and it's kind of the same feeling coming off of last night of against a lesser opponent, mind you, I thought Brooklyn was a team that was going to give the Warriors some trouble. They found a way to get a win at home in which Stephen Curry was amazing. And here tonight, I think because of how much Steph had to exert last night in a back-to-back, either he didn't have his legs, he didn't have it going, and the Warriors had to step up 
because Stephen Curry had a season-low seven points and did not make a three-point shot. So you look at Andrew Wiggins and Klay Thompson, specifically for Klay Thompson, this now marks four games in which he has hit a total of 21 three-pointers, and him and Wiggins tonight combined for 53 points, 9 for 16 on three-point makes. This is a game that they do not win without those two guys. So I was encouraged to see what Wiggins did, especially coming off the bench after heading two after three games ago in which he was benched along with Klay Thompson against the Phoenix Suns. The new starting lineup for the Golden State Warriors, the combination of Pajemski, Jonathan Kaminga, along with Stephen Curry, Kavon Looney, as well as Klay Thompson, are now 2-1 and one in their three starts together. Uh, but again, another double-digit lead essentially squandered. They led by 22 points tonight. It was at one point tied with about 8 minutes and 40 seconds left in the ballgame. They led the Warriors did by 13 on the road at Phoenix. They lost that game. The prior one, they led by 14 in Oklahoma City. Double-digit leads have not been uncommon for the Warriors this year. Holding them and being able to secure a win in a defining fashion or in a definitive fashion, that has been the issue. The Warriors have only won a basketball game of their 12 this season now two times. And it was earlier in the year against the New Orleans Pelicans as well as a road game against the Detroit Pistons. Now, that was the fourth game of the season against New Orleans, and then it was the eighth game of the year against the Detroit Pistons. That began the mark of the now seven-game losing streak that the Warriors just snapped tonight in Portland. So are you encouraged by the win? Are you happy the you know the fact that they picked up a W? That is certainly something to be, you know, I, I think, at least happy about. But to me, where I'm at is, it is, while encouraging... I'm still not yet impressed by this Warriors team. And I know that they're missing Draymond Green. I know that they're missing Gary Payton II. But they're playing a Portland Trailblazers team that has their eyes set on the lottery. And the Golden State Warriors are a team that has their eyes set, ideally, on the postseason. 118-114 to is in a, a four-point separation. The Portland Trailblazers are 2-8 are and eight as a home team this year. I know the Warriors just need W's at this point, but I'm curious where people fall on this as we dig into the game. To me, it's encouraging from the standpoint they picked up a victory, but I'm still not yet impressed by what this team has been able to put together on a consistent basis. One other thing that was encouraging, I thought that Steve Kerr, another game in which he is essentially forced to lean into the younger players. And tonight, as opposed to the last game against Portland, which was at Chase Center, that was the Jonathan Kaminga coming out party. Remember, Steve Kerr had said that Kaminga was not in the 10-man rotation. Kaminga ends up playing the final 16 minutes of that game, essentially willing the Warriors to a five-point win at home against these very Blazers. Now, that was a different game because the Trail Blazers led for the majority of that contest. The Warriors had to come from behind. Tonight, they led by as many as 22. They were up by 16 at the break. However, they could not not close, and it took a Brandon Pachemski charge drawn in the final seconds to walk away with a victory here tonight. But Trace Jackson Davis, tonight, this was his coming out party, and it was a situation with about eight and a half left in the second quarter. Dario Saric picked up his third foul, uh, did not play a great game, did did Saric after scoring 12 points in the first half last night against Brooklyn, but TJD is asked to essentially step in and provide something that the Warriors have been missing a lot of this season, which is youth, athleticism, and an ability to finish around the rim. And I thought that while you know we, we haven't been able to see much of TJD, 
And in fact, coming in this game, he'd only played 12 combined minutes through the last eight games, had received six inactives, coach's decisions. But tonight, Kerr was forced to go to him because the combination of Sharich and his foul trouble, Kavon Looney, did not play particularly well in the first half, had a decent stretch in the second half, and then, of course, Kerr went back to him to close this basketball game. But Trace Jackson Davis, I thought, did an excellent job of making the most of his opportunities tonight. I mean, the 12 points, the 8 rebounds, 5 of them offensive, mind you, and 4 offensive rebounds in the second half were absolutely promising by this guy. But the energy, the ability to catch a lob, pick-and-roll game he was playing with Chris Paul, we saw him PNR with Chris Paul, and we saw Trace Jackson Davis not afraid to muck it up with a guy like DeAndre Ayton, who has shown himself throughout his career to be a guy that you can push around. And for Trace Jackson Davis to come in off the bench and essentially, you know, impose his his will as much as he could on that game, I thought was encouraging. And for 14 points from this rookie to go along with a couple of steals led to one of the, the, the sickest passes of Stephen Curry's career. A Magic Johnson S behind the back throw in transition off of Trace Jackson Davis kind of pickpocket um, was certainly a highlight tonight. But 6 of 9, primarily around the rim, also hit both of his free throw shots. I thought TJD did a nice job of proving that he belongs to be, if not you know, an 18-minute per game player like he was tonight. But while you're while you're missing Draymond, you're also missing some size. You're also missing a guy that can at least, and I think TJD has shown in in short spurts that he's got a little wherewithal to him. You know, has an idea of where he needs to be. Still, some rookie mistakes, but that's going to happen. And if he's allowed to play through them, which Kerr has now allowed Jonathan Kaminga to do, he's allowed Brandon Pachemski to do, and maybe not to that extent, but has also allowed. Moses Moody to do at some points since he took him out in the fourth quarter against Sacramento. So it's not necessarily that I'm looking at Steve Kerr and I'm saying, well, he's leaning more into the youth movement, but I do think he is more accepting of when they have a chance and when they're forced into action and then they play properly, or they play well. I do think that Steve Kerr is willing to give them a little more leash. And I think that that Kerr has been probably piecing this thing together just because of the mixed results, not just in the wins and losses, but a lot of the different on and off nights for his players. And this was a night in which I thought he gave rope back to Andrew Wiggins. And he said that Wiggins was a guy that was going to you know, have to earn his minutes back, but he would give him an opportunity to do so. But right, I mean, but tonight, Wiggins, 9 of 12, 4 of 6 from distance, also had 7 defensive rebounds, second most on the team behind TJD, and had 25 points, second behind Klay Thompson. You know, I, I think Kerr, his, like, he's mixing, he's matching, and at least the last two nights, he's pressed enough of the right buttons to get it done. So as we take a look at this basketball game, and again, Evan Giddings with you on Warriors Wrap-Up here on 95.7 The Game. 888-957-9570 is the number. Appreciate you chiming in. Feel free to call us. Let us know what you think about the game tonight, about the last two wins for the Warriors, which they have not had since the beginning of November. Again, November 1st and November 3rd, the last time that they won consecutive games, and they snap a seven-game road streak, a road skid, here tonight at the Moda Center. What did you think about the game itself? Were you encouraged? Were you impressed? Was it the young guys? And was it the fact that Clay Thompson has been shooting the hell out of the ball in his last four, really over his last 13 games, now above 40% from three-point range? Is it Andrew Wiggins taking the demotion from the starting lineup in kind, and at least tonight, 
showing that he can turn that and channel it into an energy that is positive and conducive to winning. I mean, you know, was was it the fact that that Steph Curry had an off night? Are you looking for him? Like the Warriors, I think they do have a lot of things they 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 still need to figure out. And once eventually Draymond Green comes back into the fold, not knowing when that is, they'll probably get a clearer picture of what this ceiling can be. But for right now, is it just in being encouraged by the victory? You know, are you impressed by some of the younger guys stepping up, um, or are you looking at this game and essentially saying, "Look, we're up by 22 to a six-win team, and we couldn't hold a lead." Now they didn't trail at any point in this basketball game, but there were multiple chances in which it felt like Portland was going to have a chance to basically do to the Warriors what the Warriors have been letting teams on the road do to them for the majority of the season, which is get back into the game, eventually take a lead, and then find some way to lose a basketball game. At the very least, the last two nights, both at home and now on the road, they have found ways to win. I think the game against Brooklyn, to me, was more impressive than the one tonight. But again, if you lose this game tonight, the game last night, in my opinion, doesn't really give me much. So they had to back it up. They did. Back-to-back victories on back-to-back nights nonetheless. And I think that was an encouraging part of this game. Let's get out to D in D.C. What's up, D? You're on with Evan Giddings here on Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. What did you take away from tonight's win in Portland? Evans, 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 Evans. What's going on, brother? How you doing? <laughs> Good, man. What's up? Hey, man. Look here, man. Uh, Kerr is criminal. Criminal for... Mm for what he's doing to TJD. That boy is the <laughs> answer. The answer that we've been looking for, man. Looney can no longer has it. You can easily tell that he can't even jump about one inch off the floor. Um, TJD brings everything that we need, that, that, that electricity, that, that ability to jump, that, that, that floor. Of, uh, oh, my God. That, that uh, Oh, man, I, it's just a revelation to see what the guy was able to do tonight, man. You put that in the starting lineup, we have the answer. We have the answer. Kerr needs to wake up, man. He really does need to wake up and give the kids, all the, all the kids, an opportunity to showcase what they can really do. That's what I have, man. Appreciate it, D. Look, I'm largely with you, and and this is something that's, I've heard, it's look. It's been a running theme throughout this season, right? Kerr has to wake up, or he's got to lean more into the younger guys in his roster. And while it's taken him probably longer than a lot of people would want, I do think that Kerr has shown signs and a willingness to once someone proves that they deserve to be there. Now, granted, they, the TJD in in your case uh, D has not had as many opportunities to prove that, but tonight because. Looney was ineffective and has been largely ineffective through the first now 26 games of this season, along with the fact that Sharich was in foul trouble. And I also don't think that that Sharich has been able to give them much defensively. He does add a shooter on the offensive side of the floor, but I think that's more Kerr leans into him more because of the lack of shooting in general on this basketball team. And so he gives him a big that can at least space the floor. But to me, Sharich is a guy that gives up as much defensively as he might help you on the offensive end. This is what I'll say about Trace Jackson Davis. I thought that from the moment that he came into the game with about eight minutes and 40 seconds left, there was a different tempo from the Golden State Warriors. And We saw Trace Jackson Davis set up a clay triple from the wing. We saw TJD run a pick and roll and catch an alley-oop from Chris Paul. 
We saw him set a pick, you know, up for 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 Clay Thompson. We saw him it, it basically strip, you know, DeAndre Ayton, set up Chris, set up uh, Stephen Curry for a transition bucket up ahead to Moses Moody. We saw him do some things that Kevon Looney and Dario Saric are not capable of doing. Now, I wonder how much Steve Kerr is going to allow TJD to continue that he can prove that he can do these things on a consistent basis. Because to Kerr's credit, and I haven't been the biggest fan of all of his decisions this season, but to Kerr's credit, after he admitted making the wrong decision against Sacramento, taking Moses Moody out, Moody has played more. After Steve Kerr essentially said that Kaminga was out of the rotation last time they played the Portland Trailblazers last Wednesday, well, Jonathan Kaminga's been in the rotation. In fact, he's been moved into the starting lineup and has helped the Warriors. And in fact, Kerr has even shown that he will go back to Kaminga for defensive purposes. He did so in the final 30 seconds last night against Brooklyn, and Kaminga, I thought, was able to alter the shot, a game-tying potential shot of Mikhail Bridges. Here tonight, he goes back to Kaminga, and Kaminga, unfortunately, gets called for a foul on Simons that turns into an and one to make it a one-point game. And this is, again, where I do think there needs to be some growth from Steve Kerr. And this is where I'll come down his road a little bit. That final possession for Portland, in which Simons gets matched up on J.K., there's about 15 seconds left, Simons dives to the rim, and he kind of pushes off of Kaminga, but Kaminga gets called for the foul. The Warriors have two timeouts in that situation. They still have their challenge left. I think that is a clear, challengeable spot for Kerr. Maybe not in a, in a spot that, like, even if they don't win it, I think that that's a situation where the challenge is able to help you more than a loss of the challenge is going to hurt you because you still have one timeout left. Now, maybe the Warriors and, and Kerr is thinking, hey, well, you know, we want more than one timeout in case something goes off the rails and the Warriors down the stretch of basketball games have not been exactly great. But that, to me, is why you have Chris Paul in the game to be someone that can be a coach on the floor and take care of those kinds of decisions without Kerr having to worry about that. That, to me, is a situation where the two timeouts and a challenge, you can do better for your team by winning a challenge than hurting your team by losing a challenge. And I thought it was up in the air enough on the foul on Kaminga for Kerr to ask for the challenge there. And at that point, it would have been a two-point game. You can make free throws, make it four, yada, yada, yada. You can win the game much easier than you had to, which is essentially 15 seconds left, Warriors are in a situation where they have to foul. Curry inexplicably goes one and two at the free throw line, and then it takes a Shaden Sharp full head court steam into Brandon Pachemski in a charge with .6 seconds left to win that basketball game. I mean, there was, you just look at the final, really, the final three and a half minutes. The Warriors were up by eight. TJD gets taken out with 240 left, six-point game. Chris Paul gets his first buckets at the 226 mark. Curry throws a lob to Wiggins, 113-106. Again, you're up by seven. Wiggins grabs a rebound, and then the turnovers start to happen. That's a situation where I don't think Chris Paul played great tonight, and I do want to get to him because, to me, there's a conversation to have between him as well as a potential younger player, and this is really, I think, the theme that we're trying to get out, and according to D, the theme between TJD and Looney. I think there's a theme between Chris Paul and Brandon Pachemski, as well as some other veteran pieces with the younger ones, but Curry turns it over with 112 left. That turns into an easy Simons bucket five-point game. 
Then the Warriors don't get a great possession. Forces a Curry three late in the shot clock. A bad shot, which turns into a second-chance opportunity set up by Malcolm Brogdon and an and-one that Shaden Sharp draws on Kevon Looney. That makes it you know, a, a two-point game with 45 seconds left. Then... Chris Paul, with the ball in his hands, is able to hit a big fadeaway over DeAndre Ayton to make it again four, and then that's where Kerr goes to Kaminga. Might have gotten away with an offensive foul, did Simons. The challenge, I think, should have been used, but it wasn't. The Warriors end up surviving. So I I think there was a lot happened down the stretch of that game in which I understand why Kerr would want to go back to Looney, especially with, with how much TJD has not played in those kind of situations. But I wonder if the way that the Moody game in Sacramento was a turning point, the way that the Kamingo game last time they played Portland was a turning point, I wonder if this game is a turning point for Kerr as far as inserting Jackson Davis into more of a rotational position, especially with Draymond Green out. You got more minutes at the four or even the five because I think you can play a little bit smaller with TJD and not give up much on the interior. I think he's a good rebounder. He, he what he flew in for four offensive rebounds in the second half of that game, one of which it looked like he was going to touch the top of the backboard. I mean, this guy's got bunnies out of the gym. And you also don't have Gary Payton the second who's one of your better offensive rebounders, though he's he's much smaller. So I think there is a place now with those two guys in Draymond as well as GP2 out. I think there's a spot for TJD to fit in and help this basketball team like he did tonight. But on the flip side, if you feel like, well, you know, it's against the Trailblazers. He's not playing a good opponent. They got Boston coming in on Tuesday, a team that's 25 and just kicked the crap out of the Orlando Magic, who are a top four seed in the Eastern Conference. I, I don't know if that's the game for Trace Jackson Davis, but you got some games coming up on the schedule, mainly on Friday against Washington, Saturday against the Portland Trailblazers again at home. You got some games against younger, inexperienced, and athletic teams where I do feel like someone like Trace Jackson and Davis can help you out. So I wonder whether or not Steve Kerr is going to, again, flip that switch in a younger way and trust those guys a little more who have shown that if they are given the rope that they can help this basketball team and most importantly, help this basketball team win games. That is what I'm wondering whether or not Steve Kerr is going to be able to do. So 888-957-9570 is the number. This is Warriors wrap-up. Evan Giddings with you after the Warriors are able to survive the Portland Trailblazers 118-114 at the Moda Center. Two straight wins for the Warriors, first time since early November. They snap a seven-game road skid. They're now two games within 500. If they go, you know, essentially 2-1 and over the next three games, and I do believe two of them are winnable, then... You're a game below 500. You start looking at the schedule and heading into the new year, you might be able to make up a little ground, which is something that would be huge considering you're missing two of your best defensive players in green along with GP2. On the YouTube chat from Randy Brindling, I'm surprised at how loose Curry is with the basketball at times at the end of games. I'm kind of with you. Again, that 113 turnover by Curry, I thought, got Portland going in a game that it looked like the Warriors were going to be able to secure up by seven with less than three minutes left. Floyd Smith, an amazing CP3 fadeaway. That was something that I was encouraged by because kind of quietly, I don't even know if it's quietly, Chris Paul has not been helping the Warriors as a scorer. Now, he's been helping them as a facilitator, 
and I have liked him embracing his role as you know the, the point guard off of the bench. I know he was a plus again tonight, and he's helped unlock a second unit that has outplayed the majority of its opponents, and for most of the season, the issue has been with the starting five. But what I do need from Chris Paul is you have to knock down the open three-pointer. You have to be able to hit an open mid-range jump shot. And until the final two possessions, in which, to his credit, Chris Paul did clutch up and knock down shots when the Warriors needed him to, up until then, I was wondering how exactly Chris Paul was going to help them offensively in this game against a much younger team. And that was a little bit concerning. I mean, you look at Chris Paul and his his percentages over the course of his career, he's now hovering at about 33% from three-point range. And from the field, he's about at 40. And that's something that I think the Warriors, if they're thinking about how to use him, how many minutes, and what he's able to do offensively, well, if he's just a passer, then it does kind of hurt the Warriors' second unit because it hurts their amount of spacing. I don't know how closely they have to kind of stay on Chris Paul's hip when it comes to that pick and roll. And I I wonder just where he's going to fit in and if that shot is going to start coming along. Because one other thing about this game is it's clear that Klay Thompson's shot is coming along. And I know people were worried about what he was going to be as a potential second option for a Warriors team that lost a 20-point-per-game score last year in Jordan Poole. But Klay Thompson, it's taken him a little bit of time to, to get this thing going, more time even than it did last year. But again, the last four games, he's got 21 threes. He's shooting over 40% the last 13 games. In the month of December, he's north of 40 from distance. And while I don't think that Klay Thompson has been as much of a you know, security blanket offensively inside of the three-point line, I think that Klay, like you're going to take the bad with the good when the three ball is falling. The issue has been... The decision-making with some of his shots early in the year have also coincided with him not shooting well. And even though he's taking less shots, it's around 14.5 compared to the 18.5 or 19 shots per game that he was taking last year. So he's taking less looks. But if you need scoring, then in some cases you almost do need Klay Thompson to shoot more. And he hadn't been hitting at enough of a percentage for the Warriors to feel comfortable with him being a go-to second option. That's where Wiggins' struggles also really hurt you because he wasn't adding anything offensively nor defensively. Tonight, I thought Wiggins was engaged. I thought he was getting and mucking it up down underneath the rim. He was grabbing defensive rebounds. He was using that 45-inch vertical that we saw on full display when he first got to Golden State. He was knocking down threes. He was attacking the rim. Andrew Wiggins had two dunks tonight. I don't know if I've seen that from him in a game so far this year. So Andrew Wiggins, to me, has the way that Klay Thompson took the benching personally against Phoenix and even going before that, I think Andrew Wiggins off the bench has, like, I don't know if he's going to reclaim his starting lineup role. I think he's got an opportunity to. But if he's given you anywhere between 15 to 20 points off the bench in 25 to 30 minutes, uh, that is a net positive, in my opinion, from Andrew Wiggins. So, you know, to me, if we're looking at, at this ball game, I think the fact that Stephen Curry had probably his worst offensive game of the year, though he was still a plus 12, and Andrew Wiggins and Clay were able to combine for 53 points. The Warriors don't win tonight without those two guys doing what they do. 
Um, I also am looking at Brandon Pachemski, who had a game-high 33 minutes, made arguably the biggest play of the game, taking a charge down the stretch on Shaden Sharp, essentially securing the ball game for the Warriors. So, you know, I thought the young guys played pretty well. The majority of the OGs, or I should say, Clay and and Wiggins played well. Uh, Curry didn't shoot it well, though he was still still able to provide an impact. And then I thought Kavon Looney, along with Dario Saric, kind of got played off the floor a little bit tonight. So, look, this is a game that the Warriors needed to win, and they did. And that, to me, is something they get credit for. But it doesn't mean I necessarily have to be impressed by it. And if you are impressed by it, I would love to hear why. At 888-957-9570, Evan Giddings with you on Warriors wrap-up here after the four-point win in Portland. The Warriors led by as many as 22 points early in that early in that third quarter. And it was kind of like a, a similar script to the Brooklyn Nets game, just with different characters, honestly. Instead of you know Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges and Cam Thomas, who had a 40-burger last night for the Nets, it was guys like Anthony Simons, who scored double digits in that third quarter. Jeremy Grant, who ended up with 30 points on 19 shots in this basketball game. It was guys like Shaden Sharp. It was, you know, it was guys like a Camara, who I have not heard of before they played, uh, you know, the the Blazers a couple of games ago. In fact, I think he was actually a Sun second round pick that they sent to Portland in the deal with DeAndre Ayton going back to the summer that sent Bradley Beal over to Phoenix. He was he was three of three from downtown, and I think he hit pretty much all of them from that right corner. So the Portland Trailblazers just got hot from the three point line in that second half and in that third quarter. The combination of the Warriors being unable to put together anything offensively with any consistency and then giving up, I thought, a lot of transition looks, early looks in the shot clock, but good looks for the Portland Trail Blazers. You're looking at the five three-pointers that they made in that in that third quarter. You're also looking at Simons and Grant erupting for 20 of the 35 points. And then Portland shot 60% as a team, and they were plus nine on the glass. So everything that the Warriors had done in the first half, which was shoot near 60% from the floor, shoot about 43% from three-point range, though they were four of eight at the free-throw line in the first half, which was not exactly a great thing. Uh, They shot it extremely well. They gave it all back. And that's where I I think the question for me is, I'm not exactly sure yet, if it's the Warriors' inability to consistently put together and muster offense for a full 48 minutes, or if it's the fact that they're unable to get stops when they need to against teams that can speed up the pace. When the Warriors played with pace in the second quarter, and I thought it was largely when Trace Jackson Davis was in the game, well, then you saw them being able to put together. They, they got on in transition. They were getting points in the paint. They were running. Meanwhile, Portland flipped the script on in, in the third quarter. And by the beginning of the fourth, you're looking at a five-point game. That was once a 22-point lead for the Warriors. So if you're encouraged by the win, if you're impressed by the win, please call in and let me know at 888-957-9570. Also the number for the Comcast Business Text Line. We see out there on YouTube. Please chime in. We'll read your comments during the break. I do also want to get to Steve Kerr, who spoke after the game, as well as, of course, our hardest worker of the game and extending the three-point line. All of that is coming up on the other side as we move forward on Warriors wrap-up. Evan Giddings with you here on 90. 5-7 the game. We're taking your calls next. Your comments after the Warriors walk away with their second consecutive win for the first time since early November. You encouraged? 
You impressed? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We'll discuss on the other side. Now back to Warriors Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. This is Warriors Wrap-Up. My name is Evan Giddings. After the Warriors are able to survive the Portland Trailblazers tonight, 118-114. to Two straight wins for the Warriors now, 12-14 and on the season. First time they get back-to-back wins since November 1st and 3rd. They also snap a seven-game road skid against the Blazers, a team that they have now beaten twice this season, and a team that has tested them twice this year. I know that the first time they faced them at Chase Center, the Blazers controlled the mo- the majority of that game, but here tonight, the Portland Trail Blazers were trailing, and the, the Warriors controlled most of the game, really up until about the 10-minute mark of that third quarter. They led by as many as 22. The Blazers eventually came back to tie this basketball game with 8 minutes and 40 seconds left in the fourth quarter. The Warriors led by then as many as 7, with under 5 to play. Blazers cut it to within one, and it took a Brandon Pachemski charge with .6 seconds left on a Shaden Sharp drive that might have tied the game or at least got him free throws to tie the game for the Warriors to eventually walk away with a win. So 888-957-9570 is the number I see on the Comcast Business text line from the 510. Back-to-back wins. Both Clay and Wiggins had solid games. A good omen for Tuesday night versus the Celtics. Not sure I can quite go there yet, as Boston actually just uh, beat the Orlando Magic, who are a top-four seed in the Eastern Conference, by 17 points on their home floor earlier tonight. So Boston is going to come out to Chase Center on Tuesday before the Warriors host Jordan Poole and the Washington Wizards on Friday, and then they get the Blazers again on Saturday at Chase Center. So a lot of home games upcoming for the Golden State Warriors. In fact, only one more across the next 10 that is on the road, and that's in, that's going to be on Christmas against the Denver Nuggets. But I, I want to hear what people thought about this game and where the Warriors are at right now, two games below five hundred. 
I was encouraged by the fact that the Warriors won a game in which Stephen Curry scored just seven points. He broke a three-point consecutive make streak that was that goes all the way back to 2018, right? 268 games in a row that he had made a three-pointer. He did not tonight. And the fact that the Warriors got contributions off the bench, big ones from Andrew Wiggins, big ones from Trace Jackson Davis. I thought Klay Thompson, again, shouldered a lot of the offensive load, especially in that third quarter when things were beginning to flounder. I thought that Brenna Bachemski provided punch from the starting lineup. What I was not really encouraged with was Kevon Looney's play again tonight. I didn't think that Chris Paul was particularly great until the stretch of that game demanded him to be. And I thought Kaminga kind of got lost in all of this, but was pretty impactful across 19 minutes. He and Moody, to me, were guys that maybe didn't get as much run as they become accustomed to, especially Kaminga being in the starting lineup. But one thing that I know can help J.K. get back into that that primary rotation uh, is number one going to be continuing to defend at a high level continuing to rebound at a high level he had two more offensive rebounds tonight and then unfortunately for him it's going to be making free throws so he was 0-4 at the free throw line tonight though he ended up with 12 points in 19 minutes was a plus five our hardest worker of the game tonight is none other than Andrew Wiggins and to me Wiggins not just embodied the the hard-working um, you know, kind of soul that the Warriors needed to win this game as far as the scoring is concerned. I mean, he was really good, obviously, and missed only three shots, two of which from distance, had 25 points, seven rebounds, a couple of assists, a steal, and a block. But where I saw him more focused was in the paint. And I think on a night in which, like, you're already down one of your bigs in Draymond because of the suspension, Kevon Looney didn't play particularly well in the first half. And then outside of Trace Jackson Davis, you didn't have much of a rebounding presence. It was almost like gang rebounding for the Warriors. I thought Wiggins' seven defensive rebounds were important, especially when Portland got back into that game in the third quarter because they were plus nine on the glass. So I thought Wiggins was really important and instrumental to the win in this game. And he is our hardest worker of the game brought to you by Alameda County Sheriff's Office, Sheriff's Office, who works hard to serve the community. If you're looking for a career in law enforcement, learn more about job opportunities at joinacso.com. Evan Giddings with you on Warriors wrap up here on 95.7. The game 888-957-9570 is the number. And look, I think a lot of people are, are kind of where I'm at, which is, it's a four-point win, and the Warriors are not in a position in the season in which they can nitpick, in which they can you know, say we don't deserve this or we're better than that. They are what their record says they are, which is a sub-500 basketball team that is currently the 11th seed in the Western Conference. But if they are to prove that they are north of 500 in reality as opposed to below 500, which is the current reality— um, I do believe they're going to have to play better, especially when they have leads like tonight and they're unable to secure them. Let's get out to Pacifica, where Junior is holding on. I want to talk about Stephen Curry, who unfortunately did not have his greatest game tonight. But, Junior, what did you make of it? You're on Warriors Wrap-Up with Evan here on 95.7 The Game. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I just want to say with Steph that the, all his great results and tonight's results, they're the same thing. He puts it all on the line, night after night after night. And when you do that, you're going to have some underperformances. And what's amazing is all his overperformances. Tonight is just a statistical fluke. 
it's nothing to worry about. And the fact the rest of the team picked him up is very encouraging. So uh, all, all praise to Steph. Keep it going, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Junior. All, all praise to Steph. Like he, He's allowed to have an off night every once in a while. And it's, it is good, the fact that the Warriors won. Because I believe the last time he didn't score a three, well, actually, the last time he didn't hit a three was in Game 5 of the NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics. And that was a game that, kind of like tonight, on a obviously much bigger stage, Andrew Wiggins had, I think, like 26-13. and 13. You know, it was kind of the crescendo of, of his NBA Finals. Klay Thompson hit four or five threes in that game, if I remember correctly. And Steph, though he didn't play well offensively, was also good, and it helped them to a 10-point win. And then eventually they won in Game 6 and won the 2002 or 22 NBA Finals. Meanwhile, in the regular season, the last time he didn't make a three was December 1st, 2018. And I believe that was against Milwaukee, and they got absolutely slaughtered that night. So the fact that the Warriors did win tonight, granted it was against a six-win Portland, team that is encouraging that they could overcome one of Curry's worst performances in recent memory because one thing that I kind of felt last night against Brooklyn was like if Curry has an off night this team is absolutely dead in the water and they at least proved that against a team that they should beat even if Steph has an off night they can still find a way to piece this thing together and pick up a valuable win a big reason for that was Clay Thompson who I thought played pretty damn well tonight and has shot very well in recent memory again 21 threes in his last four games and he is our reason to bring you into our extending the three-point line thompson goes down seven on the clock backs his man down spinning waits shoots over simons and hits a turning left shoulder knocked it down play with 21 Clay Thompson tonight would finish with a total of 28 points that led all Warriors score just two behind Jeremy Grant's 30, but eight of 16 from the floor, five of 10 from three-point range, also added four rebounds as well as a steal. And Clay Thompson, that is our extending the three-point line highlight brought to you by West Coast Men's Health, successfully treating men for ED and chronic pain. Visit westcoastmenhealth.com. Well, you know, one guy that has, of course, been a major part of this season and his decision specifically, which showed up tonight in the form of Trace Jackson Davis, is none other than Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warriors head coach, on a night in which the Warriors survived, in which they got a win that they needed, in which they might have learned a little bit more about their youth movement. Here's what Steve Kerr had to say after the game. Vintage Andrew, that that, that looks like the guy I know. Um, he was aggressive, uh, confident, you know, took the shots that were there, attacked, made some good passes. Um, I thought Andrew was just absolutely brilliant. What about Clay? I mean, he's been good the last two years. Yeah. Clay's been good because he's taking good shots. I mean, that's what it comes down to for him. As long as his shot selection is good, then uh, he's effective whether the shots go in or not um, because he draws two people with him all the time. Um, so many times we'll... Uh, just set a screen for him, and you know, a guy will jump out, and one of our bigs will duck in and get a post up, or get a you know, get a, a drop off pass for a dunk or a layup. And so I think Clay's shot selection has improved over the last uh, week or two, and that's um, one of the reasons his his game is is so much more sound and solid. You had a trace out there for an extended time. What what did you see from him, and, and what sort of prompted you to get him that much time? Well, D Dario picked up his third foul, um, so that prompted um, Trace's uh, entrance into the game. But, um, you know, we, we say 
before every game we say, you know, let's let's see if we can get Trace out there. I mean, he's he's impressive. You see how athletic he is. Uh, you know, um, 14 points and eight rebounds and you know 17 and a half minutes so um he was really productive but he just gives us a different look just with his um his athleticism and um you know tonight he was a a real key because as soon as we put him in he he really um stepped up and and played well and uh that's why we stayed with him is there a, a common thread that you can pull to why the third quarter or when you get these big leads why they tend to slide um, I wish I knew. You know, I, I remember five or six years ago, we always would have these great third quarters, and people would ask what we were doing coaching-wise to, uh, you know, to lead to those great third quarters. And it's like, yeah, I'm giving this great speech or something. Um, I wasn't doing anything then and I'm not doing anything now you know we just go in at halftime we talk about the game plan we talk about our keys and um, you know I think um, we had a great first half and seemed to me in the third quarter uh, we had really good shots and we just missed shots and and they took advantage of a lot of our misses got out and ran we weren't great uh, in transition defensively and gave up 35 points that quarter so uh, everything changed from there. That's head coach of the Golden State Warriors, Steve Kerr, here on Warriors Wrap-Up. Evan Giddings with you on 95-7, the game. Warriors victorious in Portland, 118-114. to Back-to-back wins for the Dubs, 12-14 and now on the year. A couple things that Steve Kerr touched on that we've been sort of tossing around here. Number one, Andrew Wiggins was absolutely fantastic tonight. He was electric, and I do want to see him, specifically a guy that can match up with both young and and older, long, short, I think he can get physical like he did tonight against Portland. But there's a barometer game coming up, and it's against the Boston Celtics on Tuesday. This is a 20-5 and basketball team. They just beat the Orlando Magic, a top-four seed in the conference in the East, by 17. That is a team in Boston that has been newly reformed. They're a different team with Kristaps Porzingis, Drew Holiday now into the fold. Of course, they sent Robert Williams III, over to Portland in a trade for Drew Holiday, in which he originally came from from Milwaukee that last offseason. So that's a very different team, but they still got Jason Tatum. They still got Jalen Brown. They still got their head coach, Missoula, now in his second season, and they still have a winning mentality and tradition that the Warriors are trying to figure out how they can become a team that learns how to win games. Now, I do think that Draymond's absence has provided a unique opportunity for a lot of young players, and Kerr talked about Trace Jackson Davis being one of them. But one question I do have is, okay, so like he comes in tonight with 8.30 left or thereabouts in the second quarter because Dario Saric picked up his third foul. And Kerr tossed out this quote that I, I just thought was interesting he basically said each and every night the coaching staff is looking at each other saying, well, let's see if we can get TJD in. Well, my first question would be, why hasn't he been in then, if that's been the case? He's had six coach DMPs in the last eight games. He's only played 12 minutes, and that came against Phoenix and I believe the Clippers two and three games ago. So moving forward... Are we going to see Kerr stick with his word that he wants to see TJD play more because he's uber-athletic, he can be a pick-and-roll partner for Steph, Chris Paul, and the one area, like, I do think that that Sharich has some spunk off the bench when it comes to shooting, 
But to me, he only plays really with Chris Paul, or he's been primarily effective offensively when Chris has been on the floor. But Sharch isn't really a diver. Like, he's not a guy that's going to finish or has not shown himself so far to be a guy that can finish around the rim. Trace Jackson Davis can't. And while he's not as much of a shooter, certainly, as as Sharich, I don't think that Chris Paul needs as much of a pick-and-pop partner as the Warriors and and maybe some of their fans believe that he needs. I think Chris Paul would love to play with a downhill, traditional kind of you know rim-running big that can defend on the other side, that can alter a couple shots, that can play with athleticism, that can go get rebounds, and that can go up and play above the rim on the offensive side. I think that's where Chris Paul can help this team make some play, make some hay as a playmaker because he hasn't been able to help them as much with his shooting. So I do wonder if Steve Kerr is going to give TJD more of a rope and even beginning on Tuesday against a very good Boston team. Like, if there's one thing that I hope to learn from Tuesday, it's, number one, how far the Warriors away, and they got them at home and even rest. So I think it's a pretty evenly match, at least coming in on paper. But how does Steve Kerr and his rotations either alter from what we've seen the last two games in which they have won, or does he kind of stick with them? Does he still puzzle piece it together? Is he riding the hot hand? What is Steve Kerr going to do in regards to playing younger, faster, longer players that the Warriors do have? That is what I'm very curious to find out because I think tonight, along with Last night in Brooklyn, a few of those guys proved that they have an ability to play with a Boston team. And if they don't, well, that's something I would also like to find out, too, because Boston's probably thinking they're just going to walk in there, waltz in a chase center, and walk away with the W. If the Warriors can show us something in that game, I think that is a valuable kind of case study or you know an opportunity for a valuable experience. And you don't get a lot of them against top teams around both conferences. So I think that it's a... a a chance for Steve Kerr to, number one, grow as far as where he divvies up his minutes, but also how those guys respond to a Boston Celtics team that is playing the best basketball right now of any team in the NBA. And then thirdly, it's the question from Steve Kerr that we're all trying to figure out, which is, what is going on in the third quarter? I mean, quote, I wish I knew. Evan Giddings, I wish I knew. I'm sure everyone out here wishes they knew. The Warriors have been known as a three as a third quarter team that that puts teams away and that puts the nail in the coffin. Instead, really the last month or so, going back to to midway through November, this is a team that instead of nailing down the coffin in the third quarter, has had the coffin about halfway open and then has allowed their opponents to pry it open and then rise from the grave. Like, that's the way that a lot of these double-digit leads have looked. And I know technically they didn't lose tonight, but when you go from up 22 to then tied with nine minutes left, and you get outscored by 11 in the third quarter, that was really only aided by a couple of baskets down the stretch of that third quarter, one of which by Andrew Wiggins I thought was a big J. Then you do give us a little reason to to kind of question what's going on specifically out of the locker room. I'm not saying it's because you don't have a rah-rah speech, or maybe you do. I'm not sure. But there is somewhat of a switch right now that seems to have been turned off between the second and third quarters because there's been nothing to complain about in recent memory in those first halves for Golden State. They've been hitting shots. They've played with urgency. They've played with intensity. They've played with energy. They've been defending. And then... In the third quarter, I don't know if it's that they've they've let their foot off the gas pedal or 
teams have maybe just risen back to their you know statistics. Like Brooklyn last night did not shoot the ball very well in the first half. They're a team that is, statistically speaking, a good three-point shooting team. So you could say they sort of regress to the mean. But this is a Portland Trailblazers team that's 28th in the league in three-point shooting. They made five threes in the third quarter. And I thought that in the first half, they played like a team that's a six-win club. They weren't taking good shots. Chauncey Billups was kind of mixing and matching, was going with the young guys sometimes. Scoot Henderson was playing up and down basketball. He was playing pickup. You know, guys that shouldn't be taking certain shots, the Warriors were forcing them into them, were baiting them into them. They were taking them, and that allowed the Warriors to get out and run. And I thought that also the Warriors were a more physically imposing team in the first half. That, for whatever reason, changed in the third quarter. And again, this is all in a basketball game in which Stephen Curry only scored seven points. So, you know, it, it's it's interesting to me to, to see how fans gauge this as either a stepping stone game, as just a win, you move on, you take it, you wipe the slate clean, and you move forward, because that's sort of the way that I'm leaning. Again, I was encouraged by the fact that they won a game in which Steph did not even score 10. I was not necessarily impressed with the fact that they essentially and almost squandered a 22-point lead that took a sub-one-second charge drawn by a rookie to potentially walk away with a win in this game. I thought there were a lot of things from the coaching staff to some of the players. These are things that they can correct, and I still think the Warriors are trying to figure out how to win games, how to close games in definitive fashion against teams like Portland, in which they should be. So, any final comments here on Warriors wrap-up? Happy to take them. A final call, 888-957-9570 is the number. Also the number for the Comcast Business text line. Appreciate you chiming in on the YouTube chat. And, you know, I think a lot of people are willing to be patient with Kerr. The other half of the audience is willing to lean all the way in on some of these young guys. I think it's a very delicate spot for Steve Kerr. And while I would critique him for how he approached the first, I don't know, 15 games of the season, I think that that losing stretch, and specifically the one on the road, which was snapped tonight at seven games, has been forcing him to reevaluate where he is with this roster. And while I don't think that he can wholly jump into the deep end with giving every single young player immediately more opportunity, I do think that, again, the Moody game in Sacramento was a turning point. I think that the game against Portland, their first meeting with Kaminga, was a turning point. And I think a game like tonight can be a turning point for someone like Trace Jackson Davis in regards to Steve Kerr's decision-making. I also think Kerr did a really good job at allowing Andrew Wiggins to earn his way back into a rotational spot that tonight was extremely important. Andrew Wiggins played 29 minutes. He, along with Steph, Clay, Pajemski, and Paul, all played 29 or more minutes. Those were guys that were important to helping the Warriors win this basketball game down the stretch and riding the ship that could have easily gotten out of hand. That's to me where I do think the, the, the Chris Paul thing, which I'll sort of end on here, is interesting because though I don't think he largely played well, he was 0-4 from 3, 2 of 7 from downtown, he hit two of the biggest shots down the stretch of this game. So having a veteran presence like that on the floor I do think is valuable to Steve Kerr, but in between those spots in which you need a, a, a you know kind of a grown-up in the room, a button-up guy in those spots, in between there, how do you find a way to inject more youth and you know, pace, really, into this basketball team. Not as much about Paul, but in general. How do you get 
more of the of the rim running, you know, up and down, up tempo style of basketball that we've known as Golden State Warriors, where the, the passing is crisp, the turnovers are not as prevalent but understandable, and not as many live ball turnovers. How do you find a way to mix the young with the old? And that's to me the the ultimate juggling that Steve Kerr is going to have to do. So it worked tonight, at least down the stretch of the game, for the Warriors to walk away with a four-point win as we bring you to a close-up Warriors wrap-up. 118-114, to the Warriors are now 12-14 and after they get their second straight win on back-to-back nights, mind you. They get the Boston Celtics upcoming on Tuesday evening in a game that I certainly cannot wait for, and we'll have for you Warriors Live as well as Warriors Wrap-Up. Tim Roy will have the call. We start at 6 with Warriors Live, 7 o'clock tip from Chase Center, also a TNT nationally televised game when the Boston Boston Celtics, who are 25, come into town. Um, that is going to be on Tuesday night. So a big thank you to Sterling Bennett. Big thank you to John Lucan. Big thank you to Chris O'Connell. Everyone here in our 95.7 The Game studios doing a fantastic job making this happen, as always. A big thanks to all of you out there listening, whether you're on the radio, whether you're watching on YouTube, on the Odyssey app. We appreciate you. And also make sure to tune in tomorrow morning because we've got a victory Monday. The 49ers just clinched the NFC West division, for God's sakes, from 6 to 6. And, of course, the pregame show with Joe Spadoni at 5 a.m. we got Bonte and Butcher. we got Steiny and Guru. We also got Willard and Dibs from 6 to 6. Get your 49ers fixed tomorrow after, of course, the Warriors get a big win. The 49ers got a maybe more definitive win, but all around, it's a great day for Bay Area Sports 2 0 here on 95 7 the game, as that'll do it. My name is Evan Getting saying so long, where one last time the Warriors beat Portland in Portland 118 to 114. We appreciate you tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Enjoy your evening. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.